Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace alongside the returning Todd Erzin and the always here, even more than me, Aaron McIntyre. We've got a jam-packed show lined up for you today. Some Ask Me Anything coming your way in hour number two. Uh, Coming up at the bottom of this hour, we're going to talk about a forthcoming documentary called Transgressive that gets into the latest Spirit of the Age cult, which is the cult of cults. That and more coming your way on the show. But of course, today is Halloween. So you know what that means. Tomorrow, officially, Erzin, Christmas time begins officially. And don't you dare. Don't. I'm giving you a box of wine. Don't you dare. Bah humbug me. Don't you dare. Well, maybe when I have a couple of those bottles, I'll reconsider. But it is the time of year when a lot of us are going to be looking uh, for great causes to give to, to donate to. I can't think of uh, too many that are better than our new friends over at Preborn. They have been partners with The Blaze for a long time uh, before joining our show here in the last month. They've rescued with uh, our partnership over 50,000 babies from the abortion mills. uh, And we want to help grow that number all the more. Uh, what they have found doing uh, street level ministry with mothers like my mom was pregnant at 14, a mom at 15, uh, a lot of the time, up to 80% of the time, if mom knows that that's a baby, if she hears the sonogram and the heartbeat, 80% of the time, her conscience cannot go through with the murder. And that's why they have helped to save uh, over 188 thousand babies uh and they've pre-counseled women for over the 15 over the last 15 years over 450,000 women as well that's the cool thing about this too it's not just about stopping women from committing the mistake the tragedy of abortion uh, but they provide aftercare when they choose life as well maternity baby clothes diapers uh car seats counseling so much more and it's all free of charge with help from people like us. So what we need you to do, if you want to become partners with Preborn, just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250, say the keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that is preborn.com slash Steve. And with that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by We Need to Talk About Paul. The more details that, albeit sparingly, come out about the alleged home invasion of the husband of Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, the stranger things become and the more aroused Lindsey Graham gets. But before we get to those details, here's the official narrative we're being sold. A MAGA insurrectionist who was radicalized by Donald Trump, who is also a transient nudist illegal alien from Canada, who's a Fidel Castro supporter, managed to walk in nothing but his underwear, straight past layers of security, carrying a hammer, lingered for long enough that Paul Pelosi could take a bathroom break, and then didn't actually attack Pelosi until the police arrived. Except that audio of the dispatch call allegedly dropped this weekend, and it tells a little different story about the attacker, 42-year-old David DePape. Northern 4 car, 8 priority 910, 2640 Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. 
have a 14 hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. So Paul Pelosi allegedly called this guy his friend. It's the middle of the night. They're both in their underwear struggling over a hammer. Yikes. Moving on, the Florida Board of Medicine on Friday voted to ban child genital mutilation and chemical castration clinics in that state. The board is in the process of drafting a rule that would ban minors from making permanent life and body-altering decisions because of gender dysphoria. The midterms are now eight days away. Here's a polling update. New People's Pundit poll of Pennsylvania, try saying that five times really fast, finds Mehmet Oz up by two points over John Fetterman. On the gubernatorial side, he has Doug Mastriano down by five points to Democrat Josh Sapiro. A new Trafalgar poll of the Washington Senate race has Republican Tiffany Smiley within one point of Democrat Patty Murray. That same Trafalgar poll nationally has Republicans with a nearly six-point lead on the Democrats in the generic ballot. A poll of the New York gubernatorial race by Emerson has Kathy Hochul leading Lee Zeldin still by six points. Headline from The Atlantic, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. Here's the first few lines of that op-ed from Emily Oster, a professor at Brown University. Quote, in April of 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put our masks on. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. In April of 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. Again, that's from a piece called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. In completely unrelated news, Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the preeminent cardiologists in the country and a leader in the fight against COVID hysteria, has had multiple medical certifications stripped from him in recent days. That's according to multiple people in the know. Just last week, the New York Supreme Court ruled that every single healthcare worker who was fired from their job because they refused the jab should be reinstated with back pay. Obviously, that's great news. Over the weekend, the new health minister for Italy announced the country will end its ban on unjabbed health workers and cancel fines imposed on the elderly who refused to take the jab. And now it's time for Adventures in Dementia with Joe Biden. For those of you listening, sorry, you just got to watch this one. And finally, Paul Pelosi returns to work. Guy, you look like man. What happened? I don't know. I got wasted last night, and uh, my phone says I texted someone at 3:15 asking them to beat me up, and then uh, at 4:30 I texted the same person saying thanks. And you don't remember it? No, same as last time. I mean, it just seems kind of gay, doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Well, do you think you're part of some like gay beat up underworld, like one of those gay beat up clubs or something? I know, I dig chicks, man. I don't remember any of it. I was so f***ed up. I might be gay, I don't know. Hey, do you mind covering for me for a bit? I might go lay down in the john. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel sorry for an 80-plus-year-old guy that got 
you know, his head smashed in. But when they're going <laughs> to use this as the big lie, I'm, I think we should mock it. So Paul Pelosi has called 911 twice in the last few months, or it's been called on him, and he's been hammered both times. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. No? Too soon? Okay. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. You know what, friends, as the chaos continues in the world, could be just a matter of moments before Let's Go Brandon hits the food supply like it hits and has hit nearly everything else. That's why make sure you are prepared for that day with our friends at My Patriot Supply. Get their three-month emergency food kit now for just $250 off. That's big savings, including free shipping when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's their lowest price in about three years that they have offered. Free shipping, $250 off. What do I mean three months? Uh, Breakfast, lunch, dinner, plus snacks and drinks every day for three months for you and everyone in your household for $250 off and free shipping so that you've got peace of mind to know that you are prepared just in case just in case happens again, when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Coming up in our overtime today, we have a Twitter poll that I have put out there for our Twitter following. And I have to tell you, I did not anticipate this answer. It was encouraging. In fact, if anything, I was kind of guessing it might be in reverse. Yeah. The same results, but in reverse. So I am, I am fascinated to see what theories, hypotheses, analyses we have for why these results are what they are. We asked the question yesterday, if you had the choice between Republicans winning both houses of Congress next week in the midterms or a guarantee that Trump is reelected to another term as president that begins in January of 2025, would you make that trade? Would you trade both houses of Congress for a guarantee of a Trump presidency in 2025? And the overwhelming percentage of answers has been, no, they would not make that trade. I'm very surprised, actually. So we will get into that in the overtime today for you, if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you want to go to watch that later today. We'll record it for you right after today's show, and then it will be uploaded for you at blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber today at blazetv.com slash dace. I want to begin with the Paul Pelosi story. Because um, we, we all have issues. We all have. <laughs> yes. What just happened? Who, where is Steve Dixon? What did you do? <laughs> did you like that? I was about to say, let he who has not been... With a nudist Green Party Berkeley activist at 2 a.m. fighting over a hammer, cast the first stone. All right. You didn't even let me finish. I couldn't. I was looking at you and you said it too, you kid. You were so sober minded. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Let, let me. Let me. Let me try. To be serious here for a second. Seriously, let's try. Okay. Okay. 
every family has a black sheep. Who knows? You might be the one. You you might be that in your family, right? Yep. Every family has episodes they're not they're not proud of. Everybody has moments they're not proud of, yep. right? Like I I think I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure it showed up in Aaron's montage. I don't know that we had any protracted discussions about Paul Pelosi's DUI recently. We didn't mention it. Did it even come up in your montage, Aaron? I, I don't remember. I can't even remember. I mean, I, I know I didn't get into any discussion about it. Even when they didn't tell us, well, who was the person that he was alleged to have hit on the other end? Don't you think that might be an important information? Who right. was the other party in the accident? You know what I'm saying? I mean, even when none of that happened, I, I just, we all have personal issues. I've wrestled th- with things in my personal life as all kinds of other, as every, every, as every other human being made in the image of God in a fallen world has. Okay. This would be another one of those moments more than likely, except, and this is why I didn't want to discuss it seriously. What they attempted to do literally within minutes of this story coming out was, was Jesse Smollett this story. Yes. And a lot of you probably don't know this because you're not on media Twitter like we are and have to be to some extent because that's the ecosystem and habitat of the world and industry in which we work. And a lot of times what you see or don't see gets determined by what happens on media Twitter, because that's, that's really what Twitter is. It is really not much of a tool for the average person. As we have pointed out before, less than 20% of Americans have a Twitter account, less than 20%. Pew did a survey, what was it back in, I think it was in 2019, and found that the average voter sample of Americans with a Twitter account was like Democrat plus 43 or 19 or something. Some crazy number that would have made it the most Democratic state other than like Vermont or California. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of Americans aren't on it. It's not real life. And, and Americans like you are certainly not on it. Okay. But it is... As I explained last week, it is the closest thing in modern times we have to what we what was the city gate in ancient times where where people had, you know, hashed out their differences. And a lot of people that, you know, weren't property owners or weren't aristocracy and just didn't have the time in the middle of the day because you were trying to survive to go down there and argue. Okay, Um, you had no idea what was going on down there until whoever won the argument or determined what got argued about ended up also determining how your quality of life went from that point forward. All right. Mm -hmm. So you felt their conversations, even if you weren't in their conversations. That's what Twitter is today in the media scape. That's why they're all panicked about Elon Musk taking over the idea that they will now not be able to just uninterrupted impose their narratives. So if we, if we had the old Twitter If you're wondering, if we still had the old Twitter ownership when this Paul Pelosi narrative that they tried to make it look like at 2 a.m. somehow a naked, this is a naked dude walked in, just walked right into the home in San, first of all, a MAGA dude in San Francisco to begin with, but then just walked right into the home in the middle of the night of the woman who was what, second, third in line to the presidency. Okay, Uh, just walked right into her home and said, this is MAGA country, bitch. And and assaulted her husband. I didn't quite catch that. 
Exactly. This is MAGA country, bitch. Just wanted to repeat that. Okay. Um, in case you missed it that time, Siri. Uh, or NSA. Um, that was what they tried. And if you want to know what it would have looked like under the old Twitter regime, it would have looked like the Jesse Smollett story. Where Nancy Pelosi's on Good Morning America and all these shows this morning talking about how she got assaulted by, uh, you know, MAGA, some MAGA idiots in San, um, in San Francisco, her husband did. That would have been their October surprise. I promise you that's what would have occurred. Of course. And that's what they were lining up. But in this new world now where they've actually where, where even the guy who owns Twitter claps back at Hillary Clinton. They can't do that. If Parag or whatever the dude's name, if his outfit was still running the show, Nancy Pelosi would have been on every morning show on corporate media this morning talking about this, these people are a danger to democracy. Uh, I mean, look what's happened to my husband. They, they would have ju- just like with Jesse Smollett with a very forlorn Mike Pensive, Mike Pensive looking Robin Roberts nodding as Jesse talks about how Orange Man caused him to be assaulted over a Subway sandwich. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's exactly, they would have Julie Swetnick this thing faster than you can say Michael Avenatti. I can promise you that is what today would have been. But we got a new sheriff in town now. So right away, there was all kinds of pushing back and damning the source at the river. And now it's a story they don't even want to talk about now. Because this is looking more and more like the kind of story that Lindsey Graham can get to the bottom of. The kind of story that'll be backdoor. I'm sorry, uh, uh, memory hold. Hold. And three, two, one. This was going to be the October surprise. But it collapsed in less than 12 hours. Even with stuff, by the way, that we're not even sure is true. It just pointed out how ridiculous the narrative of their own claim on this story was. They were in Operation Smollett. Operation Kavanaugh. If you were Trump adjacent, like had voted for him once or even contemplated it for a moment, you were about to be guilty of Paul Pelosi's assault over the weekend. They were running with it. They were going with it. But... It's a fair fight right now at the city gate. They got to take a punch. So they couldn't get away with it. Am I over-exaggerating this? Oh, no. No, you're talking to the wrong guy. If you think I'm going to give the press a pass on this. There are numerous gay lover and the press actually walking that guy up to the property in a van and throwing over the wall are both far more likely stories than underwear mega country dude walked into her house. There, it's, it is absurd the degree to which the press is so taken with themselves and and more than that so disrespectful of you they honestly think that you will never make them pay for these kinds of lies because when have they paid yeah exactly yeah when have they paid who went to jail for the for the russian collusion lie i mean if the well back to paul pelosi for a moment 
again, just to be serious and to be concerned. I hope that a, mon- a monkeypox kit was administered at the sign of this at the at, at, shortly after this assault. I'm sure you, I'm sure you join me in that. It's the hope. science, yes. Yes, it's just the science. So, uh, again, hope that a monkeypox kit was administered to uh, Mr. Pelosi um, during this assault or something. Um, but if the if the penalty is nine hundred million dollars for lying. If that's the Alex Jones precedent here, right? Then let's go ahead and just start levying that across the board. Yes. Right? That's yes. the new standard. Yes. Because look what we've... You have to... Everybody uses the wrong turn of phrase. If you are, uh, you know, these days, like hiking is white supremacy. All of this stuff. You have everybody squinting so hard to see the way that uh, uh, white hegemony is just choking the life out of everybody who's different than that yet and the press gets on board with all of it yet they look this story in the eye steve and it can get memory hold Mm -hmm. again that is a press there's no other accurate label for it than enemy of the state because when your job is ultimately to be a winning winnowing fork of sorts and now all you do is make sure that the fire is lit higher and higher. You're, 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 you're good grief. You're Bane. You're just, you're supervillain territory. This is ridiculous. And here we are going into election. This is why this is uh, what we'll talk about in the overtime too. What's happening right here and now at the 11th hour is so important by covering the story this way. They are telling you it is the 11th hour. They plan on pouring all in. What about you though? I just, Did you want to add to that, Aaron? They, as you said, they they are going to do this over and over, like what Todd said. Okay, so they they I, I believe the the genesis of the Smollett, just a complete and total fabricated hoax, pushed as pushed as uh, unabated fact. I believe began with the Roy Moore thing. Moore didn't do anything to help himself in that situation, but it began then. They said, okay, we're going to run this playbook again with Kavanaugh. It didn't work then, but then they decided. You know what? It works for half the country, so it works for us. There are, as Jesse Kelly pointed out over the weekend on Twitter, half of the country lives in a complete and total alternate reality because of these mm-hmm. because of these mm-hmm. forces. You cannot just, and you should, like Carrie Lake does so well in Arizona and an increasing number of politicians on the right do, you should absolutely not even give these outlets the time of day because they are the enemy of the state. However, it's not just good enough. I don't think it's just good enough to ignore them. That's a good start. But these people are out on the prowl. They're on the prowl. They are trying to seek and destroy. Who does that sound like a description of? Prowling about like a a lion seeking whom he may devour? Who does that sound like? Deceiver. Exactly. Father of lies. And, And just one recent example of this. What I mean about when they're on the prowl, it's not just good enough to ignore them. These people have to be held accountable somehow, some way. That story about, uh, I can't remember where, what state they were running in, but the woman who had served in the military and had uh, some sexual assault on her, drudged up because of Politico and mm-hmm. uh, Air Force collusion, I think it was. That's what I'm talking about here. They are a force for evil, and they must be crushed. Amen. 
So let's get to the latest spate of polls, because tomorrow I'm going to unveil my final election predictions for this cycle. And because we're only eight days out, although voting is going on around the country right now. Uh, I will tell you that uh, our buddy Constantinus Roditis has been looking at the early voting in California. And it's been a couple days since he's given me an update, but he was telling me a while ago, or maybe it was about a week ago, that early voting on the Dem side was not where they expected it to be or where they wanted it to be. And of course, that's, that's, that's their Texas. That's their, you know, that's blue state Valhalla. But that begs a question quickly. Does early voting in a state where you take it for granted, it seems like you'd be less prone no matter what the year to get out an early vote in California just because you're not, your state's not up for grabs. But does the, does the actual data reflect that? Or does, if early voting strong in California, it's also strong in Texas for Democrats because that's just how they operate. It's it's that's a great question, and when, and that is a mistake that someone that has not actually been on a ballot or is a political pro like our buddy Constantinus would not factor in those factors. It's a little bit like when you look at a line in a football game and you know your starting quarterback is hurt, and you assume that you know it, and the people that made the line don't know it and didn't factor that in mm-hmm. when they made the line. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. You're, that's a great question to ask, but it, it's that it, that would be factored into his analysis. Also, it actually tends to work the other way around, right? Which is that your your early Democrats have to win early voting, like everywhere. Like they don't win on election day voting, like almost anywhere. Like not even in California. Like they have to win early voting, like everywhere. It's so like in Florida. There's a chance they may lose early voting in Florida. Here, it's down to the last few days. They're going to lose on election day bad, like five to nine points statewide. Maybe more in this environment. So if they're losing early voting too, those are the signs of the that I've been saying for weeks now of a tsunami and not just a wave. At this point, I am forecasting... Every the final forecast I will come up with come out with tomorrow. Every Democrat that is in anything less than a plus twelve district, I'm going to forecast to lose their house seat. Every Democrat that is anything less than plus five right now in my in 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 my polling accountability polling average or polling, can't even remember what I called it now, um, I'm going to forecast to lose. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I'm going to do that. It's because I listened in great detail to an interview that Robert Cahaley over at Trafalgar gave, and we need to get him on after the election. Mm-hmm. To, because, and the number one reason I want to get him on is because I want to compare the actual results with what he warned our colleague and friend Daniel Horowitz about on his podcast last week. And if you've not listened to that interview on Daniel's podcast, I would highly recommend it. If you're a political junkie or you want to know how this stuff really works, the nuts and bolts of it, Kahaley goes into how the sausage gets made. And just, we're short on time here, so I can't get into it to a lot of detail, but I'll just put it this way. Kahaley, who has demonstrated a knack as well as any pollster in the country of identifying so-called hidden Republican or hidden MAGA or hidden Trump votes, 
going back now, this would be the fourth cycle, 2016, 18, 20, 2022. He told Daniel that it is getting so hard to get Republican voters to respond to polls, no matter who you are. And there are so many dead numbers and everything else out there because of the lack of landlines and everything else that they may essentially have to reboot their voter rolls for their entire polling operation after this election. As a result, he told Daniel that he suspects that even with their track record, they are underreporting Republican voters in this midterm. Anywhere from one and a half to five points, even in their polling. Translation, let me translate what that means. If one of the only few pollers in the country that is actually trying to accurately determine the electorate is telling you how difficult it is to accurately determine the electorate and that he is probably under-reporting the level of wave on one side, then I think that justifies why I'm going to make this calculation in my final forecast when I, when I put it out there tomorrow. And New York, I'm looking at you. But more on that tomorrow. We'll come back, talk about a new documentary called Transgressive When We Do. Stay tuned. We were telling you about our friends over at My Patriot Supply a few minutes ago. We also now want to tell you about our friends at Jace Medical. They're, they're kind of the medical version of what My Patriot Supply does because you never know. You might live to see the day that, you know, Nobel Prize award-winning drugs are suddenly labeled um, dangerous, horse-paced, and ineffective. Uh, during a pandemic, you might suddenly see a day that a drug that has been given to literally tens of millions of people over the last 60 years that it's been FDA approved is suddenly now called dangerous, ineffective, uh, not for human consumption. You know, like what we saw over the last 31 months, we can all sit here and debate the efficacy against COVID-19 of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. We cannot debate the fact that they were willing to discredit these safe and effective drugs in order um, to risk your death for you to be controlled by them. So, I don't know. Who knows they won't do that with penicillin, doxycycline, several other you know, you know, venerable drugs that have saved how many lives over the years. That's why our friends at Jace Medical right now, they've got a, a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that should they try to let's go Brandon... Again, on the medical supply, or maybe China just decides, yeah, you know, you guys stupidly let us make 80% of the world's antibiotics, so we'll just not give them to you anymore. Uh, make sure you have, you have been prepared for just such an event. These treat long lists of illnesses, anything from UTIs to respiratory infections, skin infections, so much more. Takes just a few minutes. Uh, go online to jacemedical.com. J as in Jeff, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Uh, you'll fill out the questionnaire. 
Medication will then be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the cost, and then they'll take another 10% off if you use the code DACE10 at checkout. DACE10 at checkout at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com, promo code DACE10. Name of the documentary, it is the latest Tucker Carlson original transgressive the cult of confusion one of those that is featured and included in this documentary series is brandon showalter over at the christian post it is good to have you with us brandon welcome to blaze tv radio and podcast man how are you thank you steve good to be with you so tell us a little bit about this documentary series from tucker and how you got involved well, it was an honor to be a part of Tucker's documentary, Transgressive, The Cult of Confusion. And uh, it actually, the backstory is, is that I was praying and fasting for a couple days per month for nearly two years, that my work and the, one of the plight of another father, who's also in that film, would somehow be recognized by Tucker's people. Um, and what do you know? God answers prayer. Uh, but we met Walt Heyer. Um, about a year and a half ago, and he introduced us. And Tucker did an amazing documentary on Fox Nation where he takes viewers through this journey of how transgenderism functions as a cult. It's not a hyperbole, it's not an inaccurate analogy. The way in which this grooms children into believing lies about their biological sex, and then how it dissociates them from reality, and then pumps them full of experimental drugs and carves their bodies up with these disfiguring surgeries. It has all the marks of a cult. The only thing it doesn't really have is a charismatic leader, but because you know, that's what cults have, they around which they're all built that way. But this is built around your identity, uh, and everybody has to validate the god of the self. They have to validate your identity. But that's what our culture is now awash in. It's the cult of transgenderism. And I thought Tucker's documentary was very thorough, yet succinct, and I was honored to be a part of it. We have been using terms like cult on this show a lot. The last couple of years, right? Um, even before the trans issue kind of went supernova, but but really just about anything the spirit of the age pushes, there can be no um, dissent. Um, there can be no uh, room for conscience. It is complete conformity, or you are shunned. That is a very cult-like disposition. Um, the the idea that you can conjure truth remake reality that's you know ye be like god stuff right out of you know right out of the garden this is i think i think the trans stuff is just the latest tentacle of this brand and this is this is comprehensive and i i don't think much of what i would call the all i understand you're catholic i'm an evangelical this is what i would call the all caps church Right, the, those who believe in traditional hallmarks of Christian orthodoxy for 2,000 plus years. I, I don't believe the church in America truly understands this or maybe doesn't want to because this has been so weaponized politically that they don't want to seem like partisan hacks. Except the spirit of the age, if you look at church history, has always weaponized itself politically. Whether it's called Nero, whether it's whether it's called Saladin, it's always weaponized itself politically. There's never been a time it has not. And I don't think the church truly understands that this just isn't the typical Republican Democrat political disagreements that it ha- that it doesn't want to get its hands dirties with. This is these are the things of first things that we're dealing with here. 
That's correct. And I'm actually not a Catholic, but a lot of people think I am because I have a master's degree from Catholic University. My bad. Yeah. I love I love the Catholics. Some of my godliest friends are Catholics, but I totally agree with you that this is an existential fight. This is a civilizational struggle. What is at stake is reality as we know it. And I know even atheists who understand this and get this and see this with a lot more righteous zeal to fight back against it than even most Christians. And they're showing us up in fact. Uh, but yes, I, I can think of no greater issue of more importance than when you, especially when you're talking about children, lying to them about the most, um, basic facts of their being. The idea that you would somehow give a child drugs that will render him or her sterile and then cut the body parts off that are completely healthy. What would mean medical ethics has completely collapsed. Um, and to this point about people not wanting to get their hands dirty, well, you're going to have it on your conscience to allow children to be disfigured. Hmm. I know we Christian Post won't. Um, so I totally agree with your assessment there. We had Tucker here in July for an event. And uh, part of that was a private dinner. And the, the question was asked of him at this private dinner, kind of what's happened to you? You know, where's the, where's the bow-tied, you know, conservatarian technocrat that had Rachel Maddow for pals and was doing Crossfire and working for CNN and MSNBC, right? That was, it, what, what, when did you become like this ultimate culture warrior? And the answer that he gave us on this, Brandon, I thought was very revealing. He said, you know, I grew up in Georgetown. My dad was a GOP operative. All my friends were political operatives or political families, you know, Republican or Democrats. I went trick-or-treating with Democrat kids, hung out. We played sports together. You know, we may have had policy disagreements, but I could see why someone of good conscience might think Medicare might work and be a good idea, even if I did not agree. What's happened the last couple of years as we began pushing things like this gender stuff, and he specifically cited that. These last few years, we have begun pushing things that I can't see there's any political benefit to any of this. No one benefits from it. It's just nihilistic. It's dark. And I just had to come to the conclusion there was more at work here than there are, there are spiritual forces at work here beyond just the normal nuts and bolts of, of politics that I grew up with and was accustomed to. What are your thoughts on that? I think Tucker Carlson understands the clarity of the moment, specifically regarding the spiritual dimensions of this. I'm, I've marveled at his, how he gets it. I mean, whatever you think of Tucker and his other opinions, uh, I think he see, he's one of the most important voices in America right now, specifically on this issue. Uh, and I've, I've noticed, I've, I've heard Tucker speak of how he can't stand how people poo-poo uh, those unwashed evangelicals or religious people out in the flyover country or wherever, and he just can't stand that. But I think he, it's just so significant that he sees the spiritual realities of this and how dark and demonic that this is. Um, I'm so grateful that he does see it that way because um, this is indeed a spiritual battle that we are in. What could be more, what could be more evil than cutting off a minor child's genitals or cutting off a 13-year-old girl's breasts in pursuit of a physiological impossibility? That's dark spiritual stuff. And to his great credit, he seems to see it. And uh, I hope more people do as well, because this is certainly not healthcare. One of my favorite tweets of all time, maybe a top five greatest tweet in the history of the, of the, of the app, was from kind of the Benjamin Franklin of the gay, the modern American gay rights movement, Andrew Sullivan, who was lamenting that 
um, uh, beings with vaginas, having sex with other beings with vaginas, this, this is what he was saying, are claiming that they are gay men. You are not gay men, right? I mean, this was, this was literally watching Lot argue against the very mob that he satiated and let loose in Sodom. Why won't you be reasonable? Don't you understand how nuts and crazy this sounds, right? This is the J.K. Rowling position. You know, the woman who made Dumbledore retro- retconned him as gay, you know, after she made Billions. And now she has been canceled from her own series on HBO Max because in, she's correctly deduced. Then what was the point of pursuing rights for homosexuals? If there is no gender, then there is no homosexuality either. It's fascinating watching some of these people that thought they were part of a logic-based rainbow jihad now suddenly find out it was just a rainbow jihad the entire time. There was no logic ever. It was always the mob outside of Lot's house. It is pretty wild to see the always unfolding developments of the sexual revolution. And, uh, you know, as I'm like you, Steve, I'm very much a believer in our faith's historic teaching on sexual ethics. And I think many Christians did know that this is going to lead to a really disastrous place. And I've, I've spoken myself with gays and lesbians who are appalled and horrified by all of this. And they had no idea that it was going to lead to children getting their genitals amputated and being chemically castrated in these clinics. Um, And so I'm willing to speak with anybody, uh, hopefully speak to them about the meaning and purpose of the human body. I think we have something, I mean, the gospel just is a great thing to share in light of the chaos. But yes, even I didn't know it was going to become this insane. My next thought was that, oh, they'll probably pursue polygamy, which I know they have done in some locales. Mm -hmm. Even I have envisioned the horrors that are being inflicted upon children in these medical clinics that are going on today. Um, We explore some of those horrors in uh, the Christian Post's new documentary style podcast series called Generation Indoctrination. And I hope people tune in. Final thing, Brandon, where does this go from here? I mean, this thing has... You know, it it took about 20, 30 years for the stuff of after the ball to become mainstream American thought when it came to the issue of homosexuality. This is this thing has accelerated in like 20 or 30 minutes. We've got, you know, every Johns Hopkins, major hospital systems, medical schools rolling out with, you know, I mean, just wicked levels of propaganda to push this seemingly like out of nowhere, like they just just hit zero to 60 in a nanosecond. Where does this go in the end? Well, that's hard to say. I, but I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes increasingly more, uh, more perverse and horrifying. I mean, I, you just, you, you can't imagine the depths of depravity when you decide to throw caution to the wind and rebel against God in this way. So I would be, I would be cautious to make any kind of specific pr- predictions. But what I can tell you is that I'm praying is that this winds up in a way where the the powers that be that have set this chaos in motion, that it ends up being like a Haman, <laughs> the, the gallows that he built mm-hmm. will then turn on doing, that the tables will turn, that there will be some kind of a turnaround, that the public will awaken to God's righteous and holy standards somehow, and that this sexual revolution can be thrown on the ash heap of history because of the havoc that it has wrought on our society. It's crushed and smashed so many marriages and families. I think it's been one of the most destructive forces in society. Uh, As Mary Eberstadt once told me, it's like we're at 3 a.m. in the morning, 
t- teenagers are all you know, chaos. Nobody's at home and everybody's drunk and passed out. We need to wake up from the horror that has been unleashed over the past several decades. It's been an absolute disaster. Um, and I hope it doesn't come to the point where we start seeing uh, you know, sex with children, pedophilia normalized. But I even think some of the signs of that are already mm-hmm. uh, surfacing with the uh, proliferation of what they call MAPS, uh, M-A-P-S, mm-hmm. minor attracted. They're always renaming whatever it is that's advancing. And uh, that's really troubling. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I think the public is still opposed to that, but who knows where this could go. I don't think most people thought that we would be cutting off the genitals of teenagers and cutting off 13 year old girl girl's breasts in 2022, but here we are. Here we are indeed. This is Romans One Stuff. Uh, it's out on Fox Nation right now, Transgressive, The Cult of Confusion. Brandon Showalter over at the Christian Post. You guys mentioned you have an ongoing podcast on this as well. Throw that out there one more time if anybody wants to subscribe, Brandon. Yes, it's a five-part documentary-style investigative podcast series. We're quite proud of it. It's called Generation Indoctrination, Inside the Transgender Battle. I host it. I interview a wide range of people, some Christians, some non-Christians, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, experts from all fields. It will explain it how it really is and explore several different really interesting angles. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google, Platform, it's of course on our website as well check it out great work brother appreciate you joining us today thank you thank you steve you bet gentlemen your thoughts on that conversation when he says out loud what could be worse than this i think that's an important question we need to ask a lot of muckety mucks uh the ones who are going to be entering off off soon in this uh, red tsunami because when you ask it that way you realize the answer is almost nothing i told you to find that and when the if the answer is almost nothing then you just have to realize the way we approach reality these days is utterly insufficient to the task we are at war whether we like it or not because they've declared it on us so what are you prepared to do i'm not sure why my mind went here but when brandon early on in the conversation invoked He knows atheists who understand this and are prepared to fight better than some Christians. My mind immediately went back to 2015. Remember Matthew Paris, that gay atheist from uh, from the UK who wrote an op-ed. I believe you wrote a a responding op-ed as well, Steve, uh, back then, basically saying... I wish the church. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that. I wish the church was better. That's I want them. Fantastic. I want them yep. to fight. Yep. Uh, uh, fight gay marriage. As a gay atheist, I want them to fight on this. Basically, this is actually good for better for society than wherever this is going to. And basically saying, I w- I miss the days when we were uh, when we were actually having legitimate fights. Now you just look a lot like I don't know why my mind went there, but that seems like at this point. That seems like the postscript on Western civilization, or at least the beginning of the end, when a gay atheist says something like that. And now you look where we are now. Didn't heed his words, at least not in mass. Is it Yoram Harani? Is that the Huzani, who was on our show earlier this year? Non-Messianic Jewish thought leader was urging for more Christian influence in the culture. Do you remember that? Like that's kind of reminiscent of what you're talking about right there. Yeah. All right. We'll come back. This is what happens when the church abrogates its place in a culture. So 
It'll be time to ask me anything next. Stay tuned. All right, we're back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Don't forget that you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, TikTok, and Instagram. You can also find clips of the show free to watch. And free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then don't forget, those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so much. You're a big part of our show's growth and success. Please leave us a five-star review if you're yet to do that already. Hit subscribe or follow. Thank you to all of you who have and those of you that have a question that you'd like to have considered for our next Ask Me Anything, tentatively scheduled for next week. Embed that into your five-star review and you will go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd. Todd, we will have a couple of five-star questions this week, we right? We do, yes. Uh, and uh, my wife said we had like something like 400 questions on Facebook this week. Yeah, it was nearly there when I turned the computer off on so, that front. Yeah. good luck going through all of those and uh, I look forward to seeing what questions you will try to sucker punch me with here. Uh, coming up in just a few moments. Uh, By the way, Ask Me Anything is brought to you by our friends over at Tyga Coolers. I don't care what Todd says. Christmas time begins tomorrow. If you are looking for a great gift for clients or employees or family members, it's football season. Of course, that's peak tailgate season. Check out the premium coolers from our friends over at Tyga Coolers all 100% American-made by a pro-American company. They're big-time fans of the Blaze, just like all of you. Uh, They also can customize a cooler for you. I was uh, getting some of the uh, Christmas stuff out to put out here in a couple of weeks yesterday with the nice weather. And uh, I was just taking another look at the customized cooler that Tiger Cooler made for me. Uh, One of them, they made a couple of them for me, actually. And they're just, these guys just do great work, man. And they come with a lifetime warranty as well. Uh, You can get 10% off when you use the promo code Steve when you go to TaigaCoolers.com. T-A-I-G-A, TaigaCoolers.com. Promo code Steve for a 10% discount at TaigaCoolers.com. All right. And with that, let us begin. It is time for our Ask Me Anything five-star review questions will lead us off. And then Facebook questions selected by Todd will go from there. Of course, I've not seen any of these questions ahead of time. I like it that way. I prefer to get blindsided. Aaron, here we go. All right. Usually we begin with the five stars. I'm making an exception today. We will begin with Chris, and you'll understand why. Uh, who says, will you please keep my wife, Amanda, in your prayers? She was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer 10 days mm-hmm. after giving birth to our twin boys, James and Matthew, uh, or James and uh, Benjamin. The cancer was missed because all of her symptoms were attributed to her carrying twins, having a lot of upward pressure on her diaphragm. If you, Todd and Aaron, uh, would keep our family in your thoughts, I think it would help the treatment we have coming. She is my world and we need her to stay. By all means. I mean, I, this audience as well. Yeah. So anybody in our audience, if you are a prayer warrior, we get, I mean, I get emails every day uh, and they're, I think probably the best ones we get about people praying for us 
and uh, the impact we've been allowed to have, and we're, we're you know trying to have all the more. So I know there are a lot of prayer warriors in this audience. If you could uh, add uh, Chris Stewart and his wife and his family uh, to that as well. Um, and uh, let's let the lion out of its cage. So you got it, brother. Now we go to a five star by the name of Keeping It Real Awkward, who says, <laughs> "Just one of my kids. <laughs> yeah. When does adulthood begin? My church teaches that the beginning of puberty is God's signal that it's time to enter adulthood. As I make plans to lead my son into manhood accordingly, I've been unsettled by some implications of this perspective, namely its vulnerability to the normalization of pedophilia. The age of consent and minor status notwithstanding, there are 12-year-olds who can reproduce. Some suggest that uh, Mary may have been as young as 13 when she gave birth to Jesus. Can I affirm my children as young adults without conceding ground to the groomers? Yes. By first and foremost, the same standard that you apply in every one of these situations remains. The laws of nature and nature's God. Does it violate the laws of nature and nature's God for an adult to try to have, want to have, or to have sex or sexual desires for your children when they are of that age? Does it violate the laws of nature and nature's God? What age are we talking about? He's talking like teenagers, like 12, 13 years old. So yeah, the answer is yes, of course it violates the laws of nature and nature's God. On the other hand, um, those adult-like changes that occur in your children, the same standard is what caused those to occur, the laws of nature and nature's God. When I taught um, a biblical worldview class at the homeschool co-op in my spare time here a few years ago, I told all the parents that this will be a PG-13 class. If you have, you know, um, 14, 15 year olds and, and you don't want them, there's no way, there was no possible way to accurately teach and apply a biblical worldview without dealing with issues of sexuality. Because what, what's the number one area of conflict with a biblical worldview in our culture today? Issues of sexuality. So y'all hired Steve Dace to do this. If you think I'm just going to walk around the down power line in the street, I'm just going to walk around the, the, the giant puss infested sore on our face and act like it's not there and talk instead about, you know, trite things. You hired the wrong dude. So we're going right at it. Now, your children aren't mine. So if, if you don't want them subjected to that, that is your decision. But, but if you make the decision to put them in my classroom, you are talking to a kid who was conceived in the womb of a 14-year-old girl. If the Lord made it fit that at this age, they were equipped with this level of biolog biological component then if they're in that classroom, I'm going to assume that they are intellectually and emotionally ready to learn what is the proper use of that equipment. Otherwise, don't put them in the class. 
So don't set yourself up for a false choice. The same standard that tells you it is wrong for adults to desire your children this way is the same standard that instilled or standard bearer, I should say, your creator, is the same standard bearer that instilled these changes into your children. They're your children. I just married off my adult daughter. I assume they consummated the marriage. I hope so, because under Iowa law, they would not be married. All right. Um, she's still my sweetie. She's still my princess. But she is a grown woman. They're never not your children. They're never not your children, no matter what age they are. They're still your kids, even when they're adults. So if the creator in his infinite wisdom saw fit to grant them this level of biological capability, then the assumption is that they are also able to be equipped with the proper level of discernment and integrity on how and when to operate such equipment. Fair? Yes. Okay. I would say the one thing, just because you are biologically enfleshed, that does not mean in many of these, in many cultures, Christian or otherwise, quite frankly, that instantly you go from you were a boy or a girl doing boy and girl things, and then the very next day you are suddenly... A man got a 401k running and running the yes Correct. running the tribe or anything Correct. like that you yeah. are but the biological and fleshing of change is meant over time to spark the intellectual the emotional the yes. moral change yep. so it's not it, it's not I think you're being critical by asking this question but you're also like falling into a trap it seems like if we if you're an adult at the age of 13 that means like there's zero in between that's that's not how this clearly works and it doesn't work that way across cultures there is a imbued understand i think this is romans one stuff quite frankly mm -hmm. like what we see like you are you're meant to begin a path that is a new but the the dest the path is not the same thing as the destination excellent point Moving back to Facebook uh, submissions, Kelly Reed says, Many Bible believers are convinced there's nothing wrong with celebrating Halloween. What's your position? What is the wisdom of mixing light with darkness and teaching kids to flirt with the demonic once a year? Akin to don't play with matches, but one day a year, here's a box and some gasoline. There were, like, a lot of questions. This okay. is one of at least a handful. And and some one of them said uh, if something about if i don't pick it uh or, or i hope you really pick this to which amy actually chimed in and said so there's pressure on you if <laughs> if todd doesn't pick it i'll answer this question so we used to have very we used to have very heated conversations about this on the show um we have not in several years because as brandon showalter pointed out on our show a little while ago we're arguing reality right now and so we don't have the benefit of arguing these matters not that they're not weighty and serious they are but um before we get to should i dress my kid up for halloween how about should i castrate my kid for all the days to come you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah we're we're 
we're a little bit, unfortunately, we're a little further down the rabbit hole here, Alice. And so this is a conversation we have not had in a long time on the show. I'll start by saying this. I don't believe for a second, not for a second, that if Jesus Christ were walking the earth right now, he would draw the shades, close the blinds, and turn off the lights on the one night of the entire year that the unbelieving world comes to your door and brings their children. I don't believe that. I don't. I'll give you a biblical example of what I mean. There is a moment that is one of the most hotly debated moments in all of Christendom in the New Testament. It is the moment, it's one of the last messages that Christ teaches before he is arrested. And he takes his disciples on a detour to a place called Caesarea Philippi that was outside of their normal path of ministry. And if you've looked at a map of where Caesarea Philippi resided compared to the rest of Galilee where he did the vast majority of his ministry, you're talking, I think it's something like 30 miles, so more than a full day's walk. Caesarea Philippi was also a very unique community. In many respects, it was kind of a, a Myrtle Beach in Rome. Myrtle Beach is a resort town. South Carolina, I think, has more retired military per capita, military brass per capita, I want to say, than any state in the Union. Um, Caesarea Philippi, if you study first century Rome, demographically was a very similar community. It was a community of a lot of uh, well-to-do Roman retirees, Roman military retirees, very, very pagan. Remember, during his earthly ministry and in the immediacy of his resurrection, the debate over this Yeshua of Nazareth is a strictly Jewish debate. It is not the Romans who came looking for him. But it was within, it was within intra-fighting within Jewish circles that brought the fight to the Romans. The Romans hated this stuff. All they cared about was power. They didn't care about the truth of the argument. I mean, Pilate even looks at Christ and says, what is truth? K.S. that are toss. So this is, this is a specifically Jewish question. This is a specifically Jewish debate. Is this the promised Messiah or not? Is this the Christ? So it was rare during his earthly ministry for Christ to address pagans. In fact, he does at one point with the centurion who says, hey, my servant, has, my servant is ill or maybe the servant even had died. I can't remember. But I've seen what you can do, um, you know, would, would, and, and that was so controversial that he would do such an act of mercy on behalf of one of Israel's oppressors. He is, a, he is fulfilling the law. He is making a case to a Jewish audience. I am 
when he says, I'm the way, I'm the Torah, I'm the truth, the life, I'm the Messiah. That's who I am. And yet towards the end of his earthly ministry, he takes a detour. And he takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, a very pagan place. And it's at this place that he delivers a sermon to his disciples. And during this sermon, he says to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so this has been a moment of great debate in Catholic and Protestant circles. What's Cephas mean here? Or rock? Does it mean pebble? Is he speaking metaphorically? Is, is Peter deliberately here being anointed into a position of vicar? This is, this, is, this is a seminal moment in debate in the history of Christendom, right? Oh, yeah. Seminal moment. But let us not forget the place where this moment occurs. In first century Caesarea Philippi, the primary pagan deity was Pan. And Pan literally looks like something right out of the movies. If you went and Googled Pan, it would be like a half goat, half human, like the caricature of occultic, pagan, demonic ritualism in a, in a modern American horror film. And what its followers would do is they would enact or erect giant rock-like shrines to Pan. And on this shrine, it, and then they would carve into this stone altar in, in, in dwelling where the Pan idol would rest. And then on this altar, they would practice fertility. Orgies. To Pan. So he would bless them. Kind of like the Asherah poles in ancient Israel. And the locals in Caesarea Philippi, this place was so well known that the locals of Caesarea Philippi, we know from writings of the time, referred to their particular place of worship of Pan as the rock. We're going to the rock. Meaning we're, we're going to the orgy. Like we're going to the Asherah pole. We're going up on the, going to the high place. Like in the Old Testament, we're going to the high place. That was the Asherah pole. First century Caesarea Philippi was, we're going to the rock. We're going to the orgy. Or we're going to watch. One of the two. Maybe both. And it is here, in this extremely pagan place, where a good Jewish boy was not to go or touch or witness, but to completely abstain from. It is here that Jesus looks at his disciples and says, right here, right here on the most forsaken ground in all of Israel that you could probably imagine and your shielded young Jewish male eyes have ever, ever laid eyes upon. Even right here, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are the urban, you will be the ultimate urban renewal program. You see all of this? We're hitting Control-Alt-Delete. So no, I don't believe that he would say, here come the trick-or-treaters. Turn off the lights. No. Do I think if you showed up at his doorstep, 
with a vampire suit on, some sort of demonic occultic imagery, like your favorite murdering slasher, anti-hero vigilante, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, you might get a message. But that's being in the world and not of it. If you have, if you have a history with being allured by the occult, we all have a sinful history. We all have a sinful history when we come to Christ. We all do. If that was yours, you should stay, you should stay as far away from these uh, discussions and contents and occurrences as absolutely possible would be my suggestion to you. There is a ministry in Las Vegas called Triple X Church. And what they specifically try to do is to minister to get men and women out of the porn industry. They specifically try to do that. It's a tremendous ministry. They have actually gotten numerous men and women out of it. In no way, shape, or form can I serve in that ministry. I'm not lured to, you know, hey, let's find out. You ever guys ever heard me in casual conversation say, what's Pazuzu doing tonight? That ever come up? No. No. In casual conversation, have you ever heard me notice more, more me more, uh, ever heard me maybe notice more than I should how another woman looks? Sure. Sure. See my point? That's not a ministry for me. Icarus would be flying too close to the sun. Okay. So you need to know if you have a, if you, if you turned alcohol into an idol, by all means, don't have a men's group at a sports bar. You need to know what is for you, the sin that so easily ensnares as the writer of Hebrews says, what is that thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about in Romans seven for you? Now, in general, whether you struggle with occultism or not, should you be taking part in demonic worship on any level whatsoever? No. No. Because that's a violation of the first and second commandment. Our kids, though, they dress for beggar's night every year. They went as heroes, princesses. They went as redeeming figures. Not as nihilistic ones. And then finally, we have spent a lot of time in recent years talking about the secularizing of Christmas, the removal of all of its religious significance and imagery, right? Yeah. And that's certainly not without merit, correct? Correct. So even if you believe this is Satan's holiday, turnabout is fair play. He wants to make it about ghouls and goblins and the occult. We're going to make it about heroes and princesses and first responders. Why can't we do to his traditions and holidays what we are all recognizing that he has attempted to do to our own? That's my answer. Excellent. Next, we go to Karen Tagliaferri, who says, What's your take on Ben Shapiro's pivot on the vaccine or that he just realized they lied to the public? I think that there are a lot of people beginning on the right, including Ben, um, who, and, and you weren't here Friday, so you don't know that we talked about this when you chose the question. <clears throat> but the, the changing of the guard at Twitter is going to blow open the Overton window on what's really going on here. 
I mean, little things like Alex Berenson posted this morning that excess mortality in Western Europe is higher right now. It was higher in October 2022 than it was in October 21 and October 20. There's, there is no innocent or benign explanation for these things. And I think that the lie about transmission that got Ben's attention and some others is the tip of the iceberg. And I have an immense amount of respect for Ben. He has kindly endorsed several of my books in the past. I think he's been dead wrong from day one about COVID. I think, however, we need someone of his prodigious intellect. I'm going to say something that'll be very arrogant, but it's what I really believe. I've met very few people intellectually in this business that made me do my homework. Meaning that the normal level of work and preparation I do and the brain power God gave me that I just can't show up on the day of or the moment of and have a conversation, do an interview, an appearance, and let it rip. Ben's one of the few people that I will do in advance work before we have him on. That's how much I respect his intellect. He's been one of the most important voices and thought leaders we have had pre-COVID as a movement. And I respect the hell out of the fact that he built an empire without kissing anybody's ass. That being said, he's also existentially been wrong on this for going on two years. So I, by all means, the last thing I want to do is take someone with arguably the largest platform on our, on the right. And if they're open to being enlisted in this fight, say, eh, nah, you're out. I don't want to do that. But I also think Ben needs to show, and I, I say this with the utmost amount of respect. Ben needs to show now that he's been lied to, because I'll just tell you right now, brother. The lie about transmission is the tip of the iceberg here. And this iceberg goes deep, deep water. So I think we need to wait and see how Ben responds to the truths that are coming out and are about to come out in total before we render a particular verdict on this moment specifically. But given his history of fighting a lot of good fights that we really believe in, I'm going to choose to be hopeful But ultimately, he has to prove that. How's that answer? Great. Good. Next, we go to Terry Burke O'Mara, who says, what can be done about the diesel fuel shortage? I've only seen certain news organizations reporting on this. If the U.S. only has 20 or so days of diesel fuel, that's true, by the way. Shouldn't this be a major concern? It seems catastrophic. Um, the short answer is, I don't know what to do because... A bunch of white women in the suburbs voted based on mean tweets to ruin their society, and then we let them get away with stealing an election. And, I mean, unless Republicans in Congress, like, I don't think Carrie Lake and Ron DeSantis can unilaterally do something about the nation's diesel shortage. So even if they work together or other governors like them. I, I think you're at the point where the Republicans, if they get control of Congress here, and they will, basically need to say, until we, and they need to say things like, we will not allocate 
a plug nickel of this government and shut the whole damn thing down unless you tar- you start taking these shortages seriously these travesties seriously it's not a legitimate government and we won't fund it anything short of that there isn't much you can do because the people in power that we allowed to steal the election that trump allowed to steal it from him um these people are doing this on purpose this is managed decay they're okay with this it's their belief system in action so because of that, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe there's somebody with an expertise above mine, and I'm sure there is, who might be able to offer some options other than Republicans in Congress going, you know, zero-sum game on funding the government until policies are reversed. But I, I don't know what those solutions are. Oil reserves, according to CNBC, I'm sorry, diesel reserves, according to CN, CNBC, at their lowest level since 1951. Wow. By design. That is absolutely by design. You bet it is. You bet. Marsha Sikauer says, I see many friends and family who, in response to what is being brought on by the spirit of the age, always go with, God's got this. While I certainly believe God is the answer, I don't think it means do nothing, say nothing. What would you say to the Jesus take the wheel people sitting on the sidelines? Why do you have hands and feet? Why do you have a mouth? God comes to earth establishes a ministry picks 12 people to do stuff <laughs> i mean i just i that's not a theology that's an excuse more in a moment changing or charging higher interest is how banks make more money and they take a lot of your hard-earned money if your credit score is just okay but not great that's where scoremaster comes in the new science and accelerating credit scores puts you in control of your money not the bank by showing you exactly why you have the score that you do and then exactly how to get to the score that you want we did this with scoremaster last year helped us to get in a Seenly low interest rate for our refi. We got that in right before. Let's go, Brandon, hit the uh, interest rate market as well. Um, And that's why you want to make sure that you don't add the regret of paying higher interest rates than you have to. Go to our friends over at scoremaster.com slash Steve. Get a special seven-day trial, seven-day trial at scoremaster.com slash Steve. Find out how many plus points could be added to your credit score and then how to get them with a seven-day free trial right now. Uh, It's a great service. Again, used it myself. Scoremaster.com slash Steve. Let's continue on with our Ask Me Anything, Aaron. We will continue on with Wheels McCormick, who says, this is a five-star review question, by the way, please stop pushing alcohol. Oh, my gosh. We're we're almost to a bingo today. We got the Halloween discussion in. We're getting alcohol in. Um, What else is there, Todd? Catholic. Okay. I don't know. I don't under we've we've talked about this. I don't understand. Jesus drank. They'll come up with a bunch of I don't get claimed uh interpretations of the language to claim otherwise that Paul was not actually when he told Timothy stop drinking wine or water in these, you know, 
pagan areas and drink fermented uh, wine instead that it really wasn't fermented, non-alcoholic. I mean, it's just, yeah, we're kidding. It's like with Halloween. Like, as Catholics, this is, a, it's all Hallow's Eve. All Then comes all saints, all souls. I mean, we are meant walking this mortal coil to deal with the spiritual, to figure it out. We have been that way before we Christians or we're Jews. I mean, that has been the condition of man to figure it out. So when you see people trying to figure it out and often getting it wrong, hey, so what, but once were we, then I also see the other side. I'm pretty sure down the street from me, there is a coven of witches because their entire yard is like in it's, I need to take a picture of it. And it happens two lesbians live there and they were part, <laughs> they were part of the whole thing in Carlisle to get the transgender book in there. So I'm pretty sure they're, that's the occult going on there but i i i like i think you answer that perfectly if you're be able to properly ascertain mm-hmm. whether you are dealing with real demons or with what you and i grew up with on halloween and i to me, it's the same thing with this. Like, I, yeah, don't don't be a drunk. But Paul says all things are permissible to me as a believer, but not all things are beneficial. All right. And so, when they wrestle with this, one of the in particular in the New Testament, one of the activities they they wrestle with specifically, but this idea of conscience of the, of the believer is with meat sacrificed to idols or demons. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so you know, Paul basically says. If you come out of those religious traditions and you know that the people that are doing and and prepping them are serious about this religious expression, you should stay away and not stain your conscience Mm -hmm. accordingly. Right? Right. On the other hand, he says, those of you that are hungry and realize that this is just all empty and has no power whatsoever, you know, you need to eat some meat, go ahead. But then he also says, but don't. Don't use your freedom to wrongly influence the conscience of the lesser brother. In other words, don't like take your, your, your brother who comes out of those traditions and say, Hey, no, you should come and, and eat the meat sacrifice to idols. Cause it just has no, because it's not about the meat. It's about the process and the accoutrements of the event that might draw them back into the darkness. Right. And so, <clears throat> I mean, if we were, you know, showing up drunk and stuff here all the time, drinking on the air and everything else, I mean, I think you could make a case that, you know, we were causing another brother to stumble, you know, but we're not doing those things. And so my conscience is clear, but thank you. We move on to Jackie Clerk Waldy, who says this, this is an interesting one. Uh, no real question. Um, well, I guess there is, I guess there's a question here. Here's my problem. I think Dems are way too permissive, legalize everything, tax everything. However, Republicans are too restrictive, outlaw as much as they can. I know these are broad, sweeping statements. The extremism is what I believe is killing our country. How do we combat that? I don't want to vote for anyone at this point. Here's my answer. Republicans are not who you think they are which is exactly why I struggle to vote for them in every single election cycle because I want them to be. And now a word about Patriot Mobile. You know, there's not many places that you can go in our culture today and avoid doing business with people who hate you, which is why 
one place you can, and with a product we all pretty much have to use, our mobile phones, um, you can make that switch today. I know what you're thinking. It's a major hassle. We thought the same thing. Our family, I mean, I talked about Patriot Mobile on the show for almost two years before. We finally made the switch about this time last year. And what was the final straw? T-Mobile said they're going to start censoring text messages for COVID misinformation. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. I don't care if I lose signal strength. I don't care. Didn't. And they have a fantastic customer service team. They could not have made it easier for us. Then I kind of thought, well, maybe they just kind of gave me carte blanche, you know, because, you know, we promote them on the show. And I've heard from so many of you that also got that A-plus service from them, too, which is why I recommend Patriot Mobile to all of you. Let them know if you're a veteran or first responder when you go to make the switch. They've got even bigger discounts and savings, a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation right now with the offer code Steve at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Just really quickly, though, the one thing weird about that, you know, I thought it was actually a good question, but I can't... I think it's one of the biggest lies we've been told is that extremism is the problem. That you go inside the church and you can see that that's in the excuses they give for not defending the truth. It's some version of that. What what if the truth is extreme? I don't. The, I, I the, gave this that golden th- mean notion is folly. Reality is extreme. Yes. Right now. It, was Jackie the the woman that sent us that note? Yes, Jackie. Jackie, by what standard do you define what is and isn't extreme? By what standard do you define what is and isn't permissive? By what standard do you define what is or isn't too permissive? By what standard do you define what is restrictive? By what standard do you define what is or isn't too restrictive? I don't know the answers to any of those questions, which is why I didn't spend a lot of time answering your question, uh, except to say, actually, the Republicans are not what you fear they are, which is why I struggle to vote for them, because I want them to be those people. Yeah. I want all the groomers rounded up, put in prison in five minutes. And any of them that touched a kid put on trial for their lives. That's what I want. If that's extreme, so be it. And if it's extreme, I'm sleeping well at night and I'm prayed about it. I feel real good about where I'm at right now. Up to uh, Gwen Helvey now, who asks, how is a person saved? Grace through faith, praying the sinner's prayer, or acknowledging you are a sinner, professing Jesus as Lord and Savior, turning from sin and living for righteousness? I'm struggling with accepting, quote unquote, the free gift. Do we accept or just profess? Well, I need to know what, what do you mean by struggling? With the process of receiving it or with the principle of receiving it? So I don't know the answer to that. So I'll actually attempt to tackle both sides of it. The You should, and all of us should, struggle with the principle of receiving it. You are not worthy of it. I am not. The billions of people that have walked this earth since Golgotha, None that received this gift, none of them, not a one, was worthy of it. Even if you're Catholic like Todd, I think that Peter was given a special dispensation as the bishop of the church, the uh, a small v vicar of Christ. 
Jesus once looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. No one, no one, no one is worthy of the gift. We should all actually struggle with the receiving of it. There should be a paradoxical nature where there is, there's an inner peace that you, when you've received, truly received it, that you have it, but then an outer, man, I'm really not worthy of this. That humbles you at all times. Because you're Romans 7, the good you want to do, you don't, the evil you don't want to do, you do. What a wretch am I? Who will save me from this? That's, that's the principle of it. No one is ever worthy enough. And then the rest of the days that you will walk on earth after having received this gift, on none of them will you be worthy of it either. You've never arrived on this earth. You know when you arrive? When, as Luther said, you have the second birth. You wake up from the grave and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's when you've arrived. But as long as you're wearing this flesh, you should never be completely content and comfortable with it. There should always be, this is what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, some humility, some self-awareness that at any moment you are capable of doing something to deny your Savior, to put yourself in the place of God, to choose your agenda over His, and that's even when you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. She's having a mini thorn in the flesh conversation. Yeah, Romans 7. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, in terms of the the process of it. There is no absolutely defined process by which you've performed these steps, you have successfully come to Christ. Just as, by the way, there is no defined process that you perform these steps and you have truly given yourself to your spouse. There is a ceremony, Paul or, or Todd might say a sacrament, where you publicly express that you have. We, I did this last weekend with my oldest called a wedding, mm-hmm. right? But it is a public declaration of something that you want to do, intend to do, and hope to do. On the day, did you fully know what it meant to give yourself to your wife on the day that you were married? No. No. Are you closer to that goal now than you were on the day you were married? I think so. Have you fully achieved that goal? No. It's a relationship. Yes. A process. And by the way, the relationship between Christ and his church is most often metaphorically described in the Bible by, by what? A marriage covenant. A marriage, a marriage covenant, yes. So at baptism, for example, like a wedding, you will give a public declaration that it is your intent to give yourself as a living sacrifice, as Paul said, holy and pleasing to God through Christ. But like we just talked about with our marriages, have you fully realized that on the day you make that declaration? No. Have you fully succeeded at that on the day you make that declaration? No. No. 
but hopefully, if it was sincere, as the as the time has gone on, are you closer to realizing what that means yes. than you were the day you actually said it? Yes. Yes. Jesus doesn't want you to check a box. Just like you don't want your spouse to check a box with you. Oh, I bought you flowers. Happy anniversary. Check the box. We do we have sex tonight? You want a relationship. You want intimacy. So does he. And relationships and intimacy are like this. Now, they're going down, they're going in the same, the, the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. But is it autocratic? Are you an automaton? No. Is it a straight line? Twists and turns? Again, going in the same direction, but there will be twists and turns and hills and valleys, right? Yes. That's where relationships are. So I actually think it's a very healthy expression of your sincerity that you are asking these kinds of questions. You're not a robot. Neither is he. It's a relationship. Before we take any final questions, let's talk about our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Make sure you dare not go into the Let's Go Brandon real estate market without an agent whose track record full-time, not it's my hobby, full-time track record of success hasn't been fully verified and validated. That's what we do at realestateagentsitrust.com. We don't put any agent listed in our database until we have done the verifying and the validating. That's why we've got thousands of agents waiting in line to be verified and validated. But we don't just take anybody. We want to make sure before we recommend them to you that you can trust them. And a lot of times these agents are just like you. They come right out of this audience. You know, they share your values as well. So just about anywhere you want to move to or get away from, make sure you go to realestateagentsitrust.com right now. The process is simple. Visit the website realestateagentsitrust.com today provide some basic info then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com up next will mool and i've been seeing a, a lot of feedback like this as well with the mormon influence on the chosen tv show mormon producers mormon sites being used for the filming the distributing company is mormon owned the creator said mormons are christians a reference to the book of mormon in the third season trailer what should be evangelicals response to the show well again if i thought joseph smith was a prophet what would i be mormon mormon I do not believe Joseph Smith was a prophet. So what am I not? A Mormon. A Mormon. So the question is actually just as simple as that in terms of, we can get into all the other doctrinal differences, but it really just comes down to that question. Um, when I wrote my first wide distribution book, Rules for Patriots, um, those 10 commandments of political warfare came out of a campaign I helped on uh, for sec- uh, Secretary of State here in Iowa, Matt Schultz, who's proud LDS member. And Matt and I would go to lunch and debate this stuff for hours. And in the end, it just came down to, in the end, he believed Joseph Smith was a prophet. I did not. And so everything else we interpret from that time forward, it stems from from that question. Um, And how I would approach it is, when stuff lines up with scripture, I cheer it on. And when stuff doesn't line up with scripture, I wouldn't. When stuff lines up with Scripture, no matter who the source is, I would cheer it on. And when it doesn't line up with Scripture, no matter who the source is, I wouldn't. That's my answer. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.